Well, hello, friends. We are uh, glad to have you guys uh, hanging out with us tonight as we uh, enjoy Stone Point Family Christmas. Uh, I believe uh, this is our 10th year to do it, and we've been ex- in existence uh, about that long as well. And so we are so grateful that you're here, and it's probably been the craziest year that we've ever had to try to pull off a Stone Point Family Christmas. Uh, and so anybody in here, you go, man, it's been a crazy year. You go ahead and raise your hand. Go, yep. Uh, I don't know about you, but it just has been crazy. Uh, not only crazy challenging, but also uh, just crazy. Crazy in terms of all the pressure that sometimes we face in our lives. I don't know about you, but one of the things that oftentimes around Christmas I face pressure on is this thing called Christmas cards. Um, Christmas cards are always one of those things you're like, I don't know, like, should we send them out? Should we not send them out? And for a lot of you ladies in here, like, we should send them out. And all the dudes in here are like, who cares? Like, we don't care, right? Uh, but then there's some of us that we feel the pressure, like, well, if we, if we don't send a card out, then our friends are going to quit sending cards to us, and we're going to get, like, X'd off the list. And I don't know about you, but there, I love getting cards. I love getting pictures from everyone. I love seeing kids grow up and just see all the faces. But there is one card that usually kind of irks me, and it's the card that inside of it has a really long letter kind of from, from family members. Now, it could be from friends, et cetera. And, and the reason why is because oftentimes I'm not sure that they're always giving us an accurate picture of what's going on. And so I just want to read a card. I'm going to try not to oust you know, everybody in the process, but this is a card I got. And I, I just thought, well, I'll, I'll read it to my friends because it probably kind of resonated me in kind of, kind of a wrong way. It didn't settle well with me. And maybe I'm alone, but here we go. Uh, Happy December, friends. Uh, We hope 2020 has been as wonderful for you as it has been us. It has been the best year ever for our family. John and I both got promotions at work. I birthed our fourth child in June, and the next week I won the biggest case in our law firm's history. Johnny Jr. is excelling in school and is an all-star in all five sports. Jan, she just graduated and was awarded summa super dupa. In our house, if anybody graduated, we graduate thank the Lottie. Y'all know what I'm talking about? In spite of the COVID crisis around the world, we managed to travel across seas and render aid and solve all the world's hunger one life at a time. Our third youngest made the Junior Olympic swim team, and she keeps us on our toes with our witty personality and her academic brilliance. I'm not going to continue on because I made up this letter. But you ever get those letters or you see somebody post something on Facebook and you just wonder to yourself a little bit, like, is that really their life? Like behind the pictures, behind the letters, like, is that really who they are? And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel the pressure to put on a front too. Like to, to help people believe that really our life is a little bit better than really what's kind of going on in the, the inside of us. I mean, here's the deal. If I was to get a letter this year and somebody was kind of outline, I would expect that that letter would include things like disappointment or this year's been really rough. We've been discouraged. Or maybe it's included financial loss, the loss of a job. I can't imagine that in a year like 2020, the word COVID wouldn't be in the letter. I can't imagine that there there wouldn't be something around death or divorce or hurt or pain. Perhaps maybe depression would be a part of what's kind of gone on. Isolation, 
confusion, frustration, anger. All of these things I would expect to find in a letter these days. But I think oftentimes we, we really don't want people to realize that. But maybe you're here tonight and you go, man, I can relate with all those adjectives. All of those things describe me. That's where I am. And here's what I would just want to encourage you this Christmas is, if that is you, you are not alone. Matter of fact, it, if that's you, I want you to realize that you're in really good company. That if right now you're hurting and you would say, man, we're a little bit broken or, or, or I'm a little bit isolated or I'm just struggling in this season of life, marriage, family, finances, any of those things, can I just tell you that the Christmas story was actually birthed in the heart of these same things. Matter of fact, when you think about the Christmas story, it was actually in the middle of a scandal that God showed up. And the reason why is because he went to this obscure place north of of Jerusalem, a place called um, the region of Galilee. In this place, there was a little town called Nazareth, a little podunk town, one stoplight. You, you, You blink and you miss the whole town. And there it was that God showed up and he found a young woman. And it was there that he told this young woman that God is going to conceive a child and that God is going to do something special. The challenge was, is that she knew what God was up to uh, because an angel revealed it to her. Meanwhile, she has to break the news to her then soon-to-be husband, a guy that she was betrothed to, a guy named Joseph. In Matthew's account, the gospel of Matthew in chapter 1, we can pick up the story there and we know that in all the anxiousness that he had going on from the news that Mary would reveal that he was struggling. Uh, Probably felt alone, probably was frustrated, a little bit angry, trying to figure out how in his mind he was going to justify to his family, uh, but also to his friends and to a little bitty community that knew everything, how it was that his soon-to-be wife was pregnant, though it wasn't him, and she was saying, I haven't been with a man either. And it was in this account that Matthew tells us that God showed up. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, it happened in this way. It says, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, which is a, a word that we would in some ways have as engaged. The only difference is a little bit more serious than engaged because you really couldn't break it off without an official divorce decree. Before they had come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph, in all of his anxiousness, probably in his worry and his fretting and his pacing back and forth from the hours upon hours and not eating, frustrated, alone, probably a little bit depressed. He's wondering, how how do I break off this relationship and save my family name? At the same time, how do I do that and not not somehow tick off my entire, um, you know, soon to be wife's family. Like, how do I do this? And so he goes, I'm going to just try to go to the courts as quietly as I can and officially try to get rid of this thing. I want to bury it. I want to just hide it if I can. I don't want anybody to know about it. But as he considered these things, behold, that word shows up. The word that over the last handful of weeks we've seen, and it says, uh, behold, stand amazed, ponder, consider. What is it that the angel is about to do? The angel is about to show up and appear to him in a dream. And this is what the angel would say. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
Now, once he probably gets over this angel encounter, he's probably uh, moved from being uh, fast-paced in his heart and a little bit fearful to then also at peace. Like what she has told me is actually coming to be. The angel goes on in verse 21, says, She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And then he quotes Isaiah and he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. I mean, here's what's crazy is in this account, what, what God is basically telling us through his word and through his disciple Matthew is that God downloaded heaven to earth and he used an obscure place, ordinary people in the midst of chaos, confusion, uh, frustration probably, and God brought about the Messiah, God with us. The apostle John would say it this way in John chapter one, that God came to dwell among us. God wanted to make his presence known in humanity and God picked the craziest place on earth, obscure little place, know-nothing town. And I don't know about you, that's probably not how I'd have done it. I mean, think about it. If, if you were kind of the God of your own life, what, what would that look like? What, what would surround your coming if you were the one bringing hope? Uh, probably a triumphal entry, maybe a parade, a little bit of applause, shouting. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, we're arrogant, right? I mean, we make a three-pointer and we want everybody to, you know, to bow down to us, right? It's the first out of five we've made, probably the first out of 30. We're like, hey, did you see that? We're looking for someone that has seen it. When we think about the way we would do things, it's so much different than I think the way that God chose to do them. Matter of fact, if you were to think about where would God go today to pick a Mary? Have you ever thought about that question? Like, where, where would he go right now? I mean, do you think he's going to go uptown Dallas to find someone like Mary, the Bronx? I mean, where's he going to go? I mean, probably if you were thinking about where he would find Mary in this context, you're thinking about a remote village that has absolutely no internet connection. This girl's not on Wi-Fi tonight. She's not browsing the web. She's not watching YouTube. She's not chatting with her friends on the phone. She doesn't even own a phone. Some cases may not have even seen a phone. This little tiny remote place is probably where you would find that girl. Probably in this hour at night, she's weaving away or she's doing something diligently just to serve her family to help them survive. Has hopes and dreams and aspirations, thinks to herself, I wonder what it would be like as she looks at the stars and the sky that you can see from miles and miles away. And she probably wonders herself, I wonder if I could get out of this little place. What if I could become something? That's the kind of person that God showed up to. The ordinary, the average, the marginal. That's how God chose to reveal himself to us. Isn't that crazy? Now, when we think about it that way, we in some ways go, yes, that is a little bit crazy. But I'll tell you, the reason God did that is to give us hope. And this Christmas, it's, it's hopeful for us to know that God's always made it his business to select people that were marginal, that were less than, and that their Christmas cards didn't always look like they had it together. Praise the Lord. 
Because for every photo you have, you have another one where people were not doing what they were supposed to do, right? Which is why in the Bactal house, we have family photos about once every three to five years. It's just hard. We don't have it together. It's more of a pain to do family photos than not. Why? Because we're all going to smile and pretend that we're enjoying the moment. But the reality is, is behind the scenes, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of tension because that's who we are. But it's those type of people that God can actually use. Matter of fact, he showed up to the disciples. And you know, the disciples were described in the New Testament that they were ordinary, untrained, uneducated men. And their only qualification is that they had been with Jesus. Matter of fact, Paul writes to the church of Corinth when he's listing out expectations about people who have recently been converted um, to Jesus Christ and followers of the way. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 and following. He says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. It's such an amazing passage, one that I recite and think about often because it just reminds me that God is not impressed by my worldly standards. He's not impressed by my intellectual capacity. He's not impressed by what I do or don't know of the Bible. He's not impressed by uh, how well I seem to put on a show for others. He's not impressed by a lot of the things that we seem to try to impress other people with. He's not impressed with my money. He's not impressed with my stuff. He's not impressed with my degrees. He's not impressed with any of those things. The reality is is what he's most impressed with is making himself known in ordinary, average, and marginal people because they boast when they've met him. And friends, that is who Mary and Joseph were. Ordinary, untrained, marginal people, that God desired to save the world through. And that gives me great hope. And the reason it gives me great hope is just just because God, just as the same way he picked Mary and he said, I want to conceive and I want to give the world hope through Mary. I want to give them the, the hope of the world, the Messiah, God with us. Just as he chose Mary to do that, friends, can I tell you that he's wanting to do the same thing in you and me? Jesus said in John chapter three to a guy named Nicodemus, he said, if you will simply be born again, you can have the hope of the world. What he's saying is, he goes, listen, what God wants to do in ordinary and average and marginal people is in humility. When we humble himself, he goes, I want to take and I want to place my seed in you. And I want that seed to grow to where it abounds to others. What God wants to do is take his Holy Spirit and place it in us so that it overflows. And just as Mary would conceive the Christ child and give hope to the nations, we too are to conceive God in essence and have him overflow in our lives to bless the nations. 
Paul said it to the church in Galatia, a group of knuckleheads. He goes, hey, listen, I've, I've shared the gospel with you. You didn't seem to, to kind of catch it. You're caught up in rules and regulations. You're trying to impress a bunch of people. Uh, you're trying to be righteous. You're trying to keep a lot of Old Testament laws and you're still talking about Jesus, but it's not all the things that you're making it about. And then in chapter four, he goes, if I'm honest with you, I'm getting a little bit frustrated because I've already proclaimed the good news to you once. It didn't seem to take. And so here I am again, I'm trying to help help you grow up a little bit. And in verse 19, he calls them children. He goes, my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth. He goes, I am birthing in you something again in anguish, in pain of childbirth. And he goes, until Christ is formed in you. And in the middle of that letter in verse 20, he goes, I long to see you and I'm sorry that I have to write to you this harshly. He goes, I'm sorry that I'm speaking to you this way, but he goes, do you not understand? And what he's basically saying is this, God wants to birth himself in you. He wants to make himself known to the world through you. Just as he showed up in an inconspicuous place in a town called Nazareth and to an ordinary girl, he goes, he wants to show up in Galatia, to you, or in Wills Point, or into Edgewood, or to Fruitvale, or to Canton, or to Brownsboro, or to Edom, or to wherever it is, to Emory, wherever, Terrell, Elmo, Myrtle, Forney, wherever it is, he goes, I want to birth something in you so that you make the world known. And you might go, well, I'm not qualified. I, I, I don't have it together. Like, I my life's a mess, and this is the good news. This is the good news this Christmas. Your brokenness doesn't disqualify you. It's the very thing that qualifies you to be used by God. Amen. Church, like that's the best news this Christmas. That's better than what's sitting under the tree right now. The best news is that God doesn't need you to have it together. God's not impressed by your Christmas card. He's not, he's not impressed by little Johnny's five all-star trophies. He, he's not impressed by Jan, Jan's summa, summa laude and anything else. What he is impressed by is when ordinary, average people admit that in their brokenness, they need a holy and a righteous and a sovereign God who is willing to download himself from heaven to earth so that you would make heaven known on earth. That peace would be made known to all men. And it happens when ordinary people that are unqualified meet Jesus. And maybe this Christmas you would say, I'm ordinary and I'm unqualified and my life's a mess. Maybe today's the day you need to meet Jesus. I would love to introduce you to him. I'm reminded in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, a verse that I've recently um, recited and even continue to memorize. And it just simply says this, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I know what to do, I know what to do, is, or to do is right, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. That's my life. I know what God desires me to do, but I'm sometimes a mess and I don't always carry it out. You know, only way I can carry it out is because God's put himself in me. And that's what God wants to do for you as well.
You might have come into this place and you might go, man, I don't know if I'm going to go in there. This place is probably going to crumble down. It's going to fall in on me. Can I just tell you, it's not ever falling down on anybody else. And it's not going to fall down on you. And the reason why is because no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, there's a God in heaven who sent his son Jesus for you. And even though you're a mess, he desires to live in you and birth himself through you. And I pray that you would consider it this Christmas. If you know that truth to already be true in your life, I pray that you would spread peace and joy among men. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for the word that you give us. And I thank you, Lord, that ordinary, average people like me can come to know and follow Jesus closely. And I pray that as we gather as friends in this room, that our hearts would be encouraged, that we would be filled with joy, and that we would be reminded that our Christmas cards don't have to project something that's not true. That we could boldly proclaim that we're not wise, that we weren't of noble birth, and that our lives are, are unmanageable. But with you, all things are possible. And so, Lord, would you make us new, and would you make us to be more like you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, check this out.
Love.
thankful that you guys came. I hope that you enjoy the rest of the festivities and have a wonderful, lovely, happy holidays and Christmas with your families and friends. And we will see you next year in 2021. Have a great evening.